You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Before we pray together and read the gospel together, I want to express my gratitude for the extraordinarily warm welcome. I'm so glad to be here and um, looking forward to spending this weekend with you. Let us pray. Living Lord Jesus Christ, you have something to say to us today. Say it, teacher, say it, teacher, we pray, and give us ears to hear. Amen. You may be seated. My text for this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, the seventh chapter, starting in verse 33. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is justified by all her children. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven loves little. Or he is forgiven little, loves little. And Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. 
Then those who were at table with him began to say amongst themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. A few weeks ago, one of my friends was talking about a mutual friend, and he referred to him as, he's just such a textbook Christian. A textbook Christian. I never thought of it that way, but I I think we know what he means. Uh, He is the epitome of what it means to be a Christian. He is a, a follower of Jesus through and through. I'm not sure what comes to mind for you when you hear that phrase, textbook Christian, but I think most of us would say that it refers to someone who is religiously observant, faithful, genuine, by the book, the real thing, above reproach, perhaps, a person of exemplary morals and good standards. But I wonder how we would define a textbook Christian after reading the story that we just read in the Gospel of Luke. What's kind of ironic, even though she is the main character in the story and she takes up a significant space in the Gospel, uh, we don't know much about her. In fact, she is not given a name in this story. We don't know who she is. All we know is that she is a woman of the city, She is a sinner. And while we are not told exactly what that means, our imagination quickly takes us there. And we can see the the shock wave it sends through the dinner party when she shows up. The text says, behold, woman. Behold as in, oh my goodness, Uh, Don't look, don't stare, but check out at 9 o'clock who just showed up for dinner. They know who she is. They know what she does. They are familiar with her work. I can imagine the guys surreptitiously texting screenshots of her to each other. Uh, The Pharisee, uh, the host of this shindig, on the other hand, of course, does have a name. Of course he does. The party is at his house. This is Simon the Pharisee. I think you can imagine the scene. It's a big estate, a long driveway, and Simon is on the who's who list of religious religerati, a, fi- a fixture of the religious establishment. He is a textbook religious mover and shaker. There's nothing textbook about what happens next. The sinner somehow has found out that Jesus is going to be there. So she's got ready and she brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And when she sees Jesus reclining at table, she does not go straight up to him. She comes up behind him. She She can't face him. She doesn't face him. She doesn't look him in the eye. She is standing behind him, and she looks down. And the text does not tell us why, but the physical presence of Jesus makes her weep. 
The moment she is in his presence, the moment she comes near, she she completely loses it and she starts bawling and then she gets down on her feet and she's crying so much that she is wetting his feet with her tears and wiping his crusty stone calloused feet and she undoes her hair and she starts kissing his feet and she keeps on kissing them. And I mean, I can just imagine the scene. I mean, what, what is she doing? It's so, it's so demonstrative. It's such a, a powerful display of emotion and that smell, that, that signature smell. I mean, who knows where and for what that ointment has been used in some other setting. It's all, oh, it's all so, so sensual and, and vivid and she keeps on rubbing his feet and it's lasting so long and it's all so, so public and so fragrant and intoxicating. Uh, Simon the, the Pharisee gives a textbook Pharisee response. He actually doesn't say it out loud. He's thinking to himself, if, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of woman this is that is touching him because she is a sinner. And wh- why, is he not, why is he not stopping her? He, he, sh- he, should put an, he should put an end to this. Has, has, he, has this prophet never heard of the, the Billy Graham rule? I mean, what is he doing? He, he, sh- he, should know, he should know better. This is not beyond reproach because people are going to start talking and rumors will spread and he will get canceled. A.W. A. Tozer once said that what comes into our minds when we think of God is the single most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the single most important thing about us. And I wonder what came to the woman's mind when she thought of God. In fact, more specifically, I I wonder what came to her mind when she thought of Jesus, because as we will see, that is the single most important thing about her. What comes to her mind is that Jesus has just shown compassion to a, a Roman centurion and his sick son, and he healed him, and she's probably wondering, maybe Jesus will do the same for me. And she's probably just heard that Jesus has gone to a distraught widow with a dead son and Jesus has raised him from the dead. And so she's probably wondering, maybe, maybe, just maybe, Jesus can do something with the train wreck that is my life. And Jesus is a notorious glutton and drunkard and a friend of sinners. And maybe, just maybe, he will be my friend too. Tozer's axiom is also true for Simon the Pharisee. What comes into our minds when we think about God as the single most important thing about us. And you can imagine that what comes to Simon's mind is when he thinks of God, it's it's laws and regulations and respectability. Now, of course, he hasn't said anything out loud. He has not gone public with this because the last thing he needs, of course, is to draw even more attention to this foot massage scene 
But the single most important thing to him is respectability and propriety and his reputation and the rules and standards. It's textbook religiosity. Then the text says, Jesus answering him. But he hasn't said anything out loud. And so what what Simon doesn't know, that he is dealing here with Jesus to whom all hearts are open and all desires known and from whom no secrets are hid. By By the way, I've always wondered if when Jesus begins mind reading at a dinner table like this if someone slips out of the room because they get a little nervous because they wonder if he knows what they know that they know this woman. I've always wondered if someone slips out of the room when he starts reading minds. But then Jesus says, Simon, I have something to say to you. Say it, teacher. Say it, teacher. And I, and I wonder if I was with Simon, I would say to Simon, are you, are, you, are you sure? Are you sure you want the teacher to say it? And this teacher says, do you see this woman? It's kind of a rhetorical question. Of course, he does not see the woman. He sees her sin. He sees her reputation. He sees her occupation. He doesn't see a person. He sees her kind. He sees her type. And then Jesus says it. Jesus says the gospel. He speaks the parable about the two debtors, the one that owes the 500 denarii and the other the 50. And then the teacher says the good news. Simon, you gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed it, anointed my feet with the ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, 500-fold, and she's forgiven because she loved much. And then... Jesus turns to the woman and says, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And with with that one word, a hundred billion failures disappear. Because in with, with that one word, her heart has become free and her shame is undone. With that one word spoken in deep love, Jesus sets something in motion in her heart that will never be reversed. She is forgiven. Salvation by faith alone, by grace alone, through Christ alone. Textbook Christianity. Well, during this this season of Lent, these 40 days of repentance, I I want us to feel feel the the shock of the gospel. Because see, a a textbook Christian is always a a textbook scandal. A, A sinner is declared righteous. Who who is this? 
that even forgives sin, but the teacher says it. Her debt is canceled. She is guilty and exonerated. Oh, teacher, say it. Say it because the gospel is a scandal. The gospel is a religious and moral revolution. It offends all our moral sensibilities. The gospel is a shock. The gospel is a shock because it is a textbook miracle of divine grace and infinite mercy for sinners. Oh, teacher, won't you, won't you say it? The gospel is the miraculous news that God creates something out of nothing and he raises the dead. And of course, the, the woman's... The woman's response is is textbook. What she's doing is perfectly normal and natural. She has discovered that Jesus Christ is actually 10,000 times kinder than even she had anticipated in her wildest dreams. And so she responds to love with love. She is astonished at the miracle of grace. She is amazed at amazing grace. And whenever you and I glimpse the reality of the love of God, this is our natural response and outpouring of worship and love and devotion. This is what happens to people who are astonished by the miracle of grace, astonished at love beyond deserving at the miracle that that love bade her welcome. She came in guilty of dust and sin and quick-eyed love observing her bade her welcome, as George Herbert said. As beloved pastor John Owen, Joan's ministry was coming to an end and he was near death, uh, he wrote one last treatise. He said it was his most important one. And it was about the glory of Christ. It's perhaps the most breathtaking text I've ever read. And at the end of his ministry, Pastor Owen says this, Store the heart with a sense of the love of God. In Christ, with the eternal design of his grace, with a taste of the blood of Christ and his love in the shedding of it, get a relish of the privileges we have thereby, our adoption, justification, and acceptation with God. See, that that is the work for Lent. For 40 days, store the love of Christ in your hearts and and contemplate carefully the eternal designs of his grace for you and get a relish of your privileges in Christ. Friends, sinners, believe the good news. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.